0: In your Bible, if you would turn to Genesis chapter 8 and inside your program is a sermon outline with supporting texts for my message that uh, you will want to use to follow along this morning. And since we are covering, again, all of Genesis 6 through 9, I'm just going to tease you a little bit. Beginning in Genesis 8 Verse 15 and then verse 18, following the great deluge, God sends his spirit a wind over the waters and they recede and the ark comes to rest. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Verse 18, so Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him now if you turn all the way to the end of the bible to 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 20 and 21 or you can see them uh, just down below in your outline we have a comment from Peter about this very event It's a complicated passage, but starting in verse 20, verse 20, 1 Peter 3.20, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through water, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ so far the reading of God's Word have you ever heard the old statement that goes like this about the relationship between the old and the New Testaments it says the new is in the old concealed The old is in the new revealed. And the point of that that, uh, basic little limerick there is that it helps us grasp the fundamental truth that the Old Testament contains the New Testament in seed form. This is the, the season of the year when we plant the seeds. The seeds are small and tiny, but what is hidden inside the seed? It is the genetic code for the beautiful blossom and flower that's to come. And this is what we're doing this year. We're studying JCBC, JC, Jesus Christ, BC before Christ. And we are seeing the great threads of redemption that run through the Old Testament that declare to us the gospel and encourage our hearts. And last week, we dove into this story of Noah and the ark, and what did we see? We learned that Noah was the savior of his family. And we learned that Jesus is our Noah. Because remember, the angel said to Joseph, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We learned last week there was an ark that carried the people through the judgment and preserved them alive against the fury and wrath of God. And we learned that Jesus is our ark. For all who are in Christ are are what? It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Jesus, your ark, you will pass through the judgment and there will be no condemnation for you. We learned that the ark settled and it opened up into a new creation. There was a recreation and in chapter 8 all The parts and components of the original creation in Genesis 1 reemerge in chapters 8 and 9. And lo and behold, what do we learn about the ministry of Jesus? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And we also saw the sobering and terrible reality in the story of Noah and the ark that there is a judgment day to come, that Christ Jesus himself is the judge of all the earth, and that the story of Noah and the ark is the first great disclosure of that judgment day. And when God intervenes to punish the guilty, or to acquit and to preserve others. There is often in the Bible an intrusion of an ordeal. In the ancient world, they called it a trial by an ordeal. They didn't have courthouses in those days. And an ordeal would take place. And the wicked would be exposed as guilty and punished. And those upon whom there was favor would endure. Through the ordeal and usually in the ancient world it was an ordeal through water or through fire and what do we have here what is the greatest water ordeal of judgment that has ever been recorded it's found in the pages of Scripture before us it is the great flood and the judgment of God that has revealed the divine verdict of God upon the wickedness the violence and the arrogance of man God brings this deluge of water to overpower those who are condemned and yet through that water he preserves his righteous ones his elect his people and they are brought safely to the other side but what I didn't focus on last week and I couldn't move on Is that, did you notice, God says, come out, rise up, leave the ark. And they rise out of the ark as if they are rising from a tomb. So, two simple points, and most of this is just point one. Because as we explore all this, it's very interesting. Again, Scripture interprets Scripture. That's an important rule at the North Shore Community Church. We understand Scripture by uh, seeing the, the old and the new revealed and the seed in the Old Testament, flowers and blossoms. And Peter... writes a very complicated passage at the end of first Peter chapter 3 and he starts talking about the deluge of the waters of Noah's flood and then he ties it directly to baptism then he ties it not to the water but to the resurrection of Jesus Christ which he says is the fulfillment of even what the baptism speaks of, which now saves you. So he takes the deluge of the flood, he ties it to, to baptism, and then he ties that to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's in the thread of the passage there. It says, uh, let's just work through it. Uh, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Now, in verse twenty-one, baptism, which corresponds. Now, this is interesting. In, in the Greek language, it's this word antitupon, which means it, baptism is the antitype or the fulfillment. Your English professor would say that means it's the fulfillment. Baptism is the fulfillment of what was pictured in the water deluge. It's a water ordeal and it now saves you not like removal of dirt from the body but through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and so here he's telling us something very important he's telling us that in Noah's physical salvation God carries him through the waters of the flood that's Genesis 7 verse 7 and these waters, the judgment ordeal, correspond to, or even more importantly, prefigure the waters of baptism and the salvation to which they point as the people who are baptized are raised in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, Peter is not the only person who ties the water of baptism to a great water ordeal. Did you know the Apostle Paul does it too? really interesting in first corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 paul re- is recalling israel on the day that they had their exodus out of egypt and they passed through the red sea and so first corinthians 10 1 and 2 paul says for i do not want you to be unaware brothers that's the nice way of saying pay attention okay this must be important that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Isn't that interesting? And both of these are acts of redemptive judgment. Now listen carefully. Martin Hahn introduced this term to us a couple of weeks ago. You're reading your Bible And you will come across these acts of judgment, but they are acts of redemptive judgment. Judgment falls on the wicked, but there is redemption for those who are brought through the ordeal. All right? And the Egyptians, well, what happened to them? They are overwhelmed by the water deluge that crushes in upon them. They are immersed by the water, but Israel passes through safely. And they are spared, just as the wicked were drowned in Noah's flood, but those inside the ark passed through to salvation. Let me ask you, have you been baptized? Have your children been baptized? It is important to be baptized, apparently to Peter and Paul. They said, this is really important. Not because of the water. He's not saying that the water has any magic in it because the water has no magic. There's not grace in the water. But because it announces that you have died with Christ who took the judgment ordeal on your place. And you have been raised with Christ who is alive. And that's what letters B, C, and D are all about in the outline. If you look at it with me, let me just press right through this. You were buried with him into death, and you walk with him in newness of life. How do you know? Because you were baptized. That's how you know. Romans 6, 3 through 5. Look at that verse with me. It's there in your program. I think it is. Yes, it is. Now let me ask you a trick question. Have you died yet? I'm not asking if you had a near death experience, you know, if you flat line on the table and they brought the paddles, you know. I'm not asking about that. I'm talking about the theological reality that Paul writes about in that passage which says, if you are a Christian, you have died. There is a spiritual death. We think of passages in the Bible like uh, we quote it all the time in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Now the rest of it goes on to say, Christ lives in me, and the life I live, it's new life. You have died. And you live a new life. He says here, now, if we have died with Christ, or, or I know Christine and Chundia, she's always quoting Colossians 3, verse 3. It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Death. Jesus died on the cross and you are united to him by faith and your baptism is the sign that you died with him christ is risen from the dead trampling over death by death the death of death and hell's destruction is christ coming out of the tomb and you're in union with him and you walk in newness of life So you read the story of Noah coming up out of the ark into the new creation. He is a resurrection figure passing through the waters of death into new life. And he is a picture of you. Isn't that beautiful? And so Paul teaches us in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And now comes your time at the gym, your exercise. This is the exercise that you do. This is the muscle that you work every day. Romans 6, verse 11. You see it there in your program. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This word consider, this word consider, it's, it's, it, is, it sounds too passive. Sometimes it's translated, count yourselves. It's to actually, in making, it's to make a mental calculation when temptation comes, when circumstances that are painful come, when sin is beckoning your soul. You're supposed to do a mental calculation, according to Romans 6, 11, And he says, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. And when you're faced with temptation, you're supposed to respond to that temptation like a dead person would. I'm dead to that. Now, some of you remember uh, St. Augustine. Anybody know St. Augustine? He was converted late in life. He was an adult when he was converted. Before he was a Christian, he especially enjoyed his mistresses. Not long after he was converted, he ran into one of his old mistresses. And she she looks and she says, Augustine, Augustine. He turns from her and he starts to walk away and she says, Augustine, it is I. And he keeps walking and he says, yes, I know but it is no longer I. What did he do, you see? He had stepped out of the ark into the new creation. He was risen from the dead, and he counted himself dead to sin. He considered and did the mental calculation that said, according to my baptism, I died with Christ and I have been raised with Christ. And he keeps walking isn't that beautiful and that is true here in this life and then it is true in the life to come and so in at the end of uh, Romans uh, 6 verse 5 Paul says and verse 4 just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father we too might walk in newness of life that's what, that's what Augustine just showed us. But now Paul says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly, this is now in the future, be united with him in a resurrection like his. And as Noah finds the door open, and they come up out of the ark, they are, it is as though they have been raised from the dead. We need to understand how shocking this is. Resurrection. I told you last week that 10,000 people will drive by uh, on Route 106 and they'll never give a thought to the Judgment Day. But they also don't give a thought to the fact that there will be a resurrection. Of all people, they will be raised. When you die, your loved ones are going to spend a lot of money. They're going to buy you a nice casket, a big burial tomb. And I guess if they love you enough, they'll put it in a vault. You know, it used to just be a pine box in the dirt. But now, today, it's big business. And um, they will spend thousands on flowers and a newspaper and, and uh, to try and preserve your memory. But in 50 years, who will remember you? god will remember and when the trumpet sounds when christ comes again you will be raised and you in christ will have a resurrection like his in glory do you believe this this is shocking you know doctors don't save lives i love the medical community in this church i love them But doctors don't save lives. They just make them last a little bit longer until you inevitably do pass away and die. But that's not the end. You will be raised. Do you believe this? We need to shock people that we believe this. If this is true, I'm not making it up. That's why Peter, um, Peter says, you will be raised with the resurrection of Christ. And the passage we read in Isaiah 26, listen to it again, just because I love it so much, indulge me. Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. Your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. Come, my people, enter your chambers, shut your doors behind you hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by for behold the Lord is coming out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity and the earth will disclose the blood shed on it and will no more cover its slain maybe you're here today and you say well if God is coming to judge me for my sin what do I do And the answer is you come into the ark, and that's point two. You come into the ark. For those who came into the ark were spared. Jesus Christ is the ark. Believe in Jesus, and you will rise. A few weeks ago, were you here? The teenagers of our church sang that song by Chris Tomlin. It was so moving to me to see the young people gathered up here on on the platform, and they sang the words, there's a peace I've come to know, though my heart and flesh may fail. These young teenagers, they're strapping, they're strong, their whole life is ahead of them, but they know, they know what the world desperately wants to forget, though my heart and flesh may fail, your flesh will waste away, your body will die but they sing, there's an anchor for my soul. I can say, it is well. Jesus has overcome, and the grave is overwhelmed. The victory is won. He is risen from the dead, and I will rise. And I just, I listen to them sing that song. I will rise when he calls my name. No more sorrow, no more shame. I will rise on eagles' wings before my God. Fall on my knees, I will rise. So God has covenanted with you and summoned you into the ark. Jesus said on the night he was betrayed, after the bread, he brought the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. God told Noah, I will make a covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Now Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is the flower. The fulfillment of the great covenant is the blood of Christ shed for us. And if you have been baptized, we ask that people who take communion be baptized in a a true church. Why, Why do we insist on that? Why is that important? Because that baptism is the sign of identity with Christ, union with Christ. This is not a game. This is not a ritual. And so you who have professed faith in Christ... You've said, I heard his summons. He has called me. He's called me. And I've come into the ark. I've come to Jesus. Who comes? You and your household. That's true. Presbyterians, we rightly believe that the promise is not just to us, but it is to us and to our children and to our children's children. And so we love them and we Speak to them of Christ. And you remember Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. And Peter says in Acts chapter 2, do you know this? Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for? you and your children and for all who are afar off everyone whom the lord our god calls to himself who were baptized believers our confessional documents say believers and their children now there's an intramural debate that goes on within christendom Uh, should we baptize the children or not we believe It's so interesting on the debate. You can read people who say baptize children, people who say don't baptize children. Both of them usually begin their paragraphs with, and as the scriptures clearly teach, (laughs) both sides say that. Uh, I have five copies of this little book entitled Jesus Loves the Little Children, Why We Baptize Children. It's a very helpful book for those of you who may have questions or reservations about this matter I believe it gives the biblical basis for why children of believers should be baptized I'm not talking about pagans christening children I'm talking about believers in the covenant community putting the sign of the covenant on their children you can pick up one of these if you like but I once remember the heard Robert Godfrey argue that in fact the Bible does speak about an infant baptism Where? And it's in that 1 Corinthians 10, 1 and 2 passage, where it says Israel passed through the Red Sea, and they were all baptized. The covenant community was baptized. Did that include children? Of course it included children. They were baptized into Moses. And in the book of Acts, we have the household of Stephanus the household of Cornelius, the household of Lydia, and the most explicit, the Philippian jailer, that, their household, they were baptized together. Well, what's the important thing? The important thing is they went into the ark, they believed in Jesus, and the sign of the resurrection, the death and resurrection from the dead, was placed upon them. In the second service, we will pour the water over the heads of of three of the people who are making their profession of faith for the first time. And it is not just that we're wiping a little bit of dirt off of them. It signifies that they have come through a water ordeal of judgment, and the floods of death came over them, and they are risen from the dead. Christ has trampled death by his death. And they will rise with him. And so I just ask is there anyone here that's holding back? Is there someone you love that's holding back? Don't hold back, give yourself to Jesus, scramble into the ark. What could be more important than this? Come to Jesus. And for some of you, some of you, it's the old hymn, softly and tenderly Jesus is calling. And that's a beautiful way to come to Christ. Softly, he whispers in your heart, it's time. It's time for you to come home. It's time for you to stop fighting, no longer resisting. Come to Jesus and let his love wash over you and fill you. Others of you, others of you, he's shouting, he's bringing circumstances into your life that shake you, and they're causing you to know your need of a Savior. Come, come to him. Why? He is our ark. He is our Noah. He takes us and makes us new. He carries us through the water ordeal of judgment, and he will raise us from the dead. So let's give thanks for all he's done. Let us pray. Oh Lord, so much in this story of Noah and the ark, so many seeds of the gospel. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we are safe hidden in Christ, that we have died with Christ, crucified with Christ. And we can say with St. Augustine, yes, to sin, we can say, yes, but it is no longer I, for we are made new. We also know, Lord, there will be a day when our body will fail even with the best doctors. And we love our doctors, Lord, but even with the best doctors. And when we breathe our last, we trust that it will be with the confidence that this is momentary, temporary. And when you call and the trumpet sounds, we will be raised safe in Jesus. So thank you, Lord, for all you have done For this church family here, we are so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.